Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. Well, good morning. Um, I had the opportunity this past week uh, because Commissioner Iglehart um, wanted it for the Southern Spirit and elsewhere to go to Asbury to observe the, um, what's going on there. And um, I'm, if you don't know what's been going on, I can't catch you up in a few minutes, but <clears throat> most of us know that there's been a, a wonderful moving of God's spirit at Asbury University. And it is a wonderful thing to see. Um, there is a, a, a quality to what is happening um, that is unique. And uh, we, uh, many of us, have prayed for how long that the Lord would move. The Lord would not forget us and that he would come in and, and uh, intercede. Uh, and he, I believe, has. And it's just uh, the, the testimonies I interviewed um, about a dozen of the students from Salvationist Students, and to hear what they say is just uh, incredible. It is an amazing thing. It'll be in the Southern Spirit. You can read it at some point, but just know um, that um, when, when we chose this subject for today, it was several weeks before what happened at Asbury, but the Lord knew, and so here we are. Well, this uh, scripture, Daniel 9, <clears throat> is in this wonderful little book of Daniel. And um, he gives a little background to his prayer, which is one, one of the wonderful prayers we find in the Old Testament. But um, he was sort of in this, well, he was in the place where we were of yearning for God to restore what had been lost. You think about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Ezekiel and some of the others. The last sight they had when they left Jerusalem. The walls were broken down. The temple was looted and burned. Babylonians were all running all through the streets, looting and committing atrocities. Most likely, the able-bodied Jewish men who were still able, could help, were employed with pulling down the, the, the wall, the remaining parts of the wall, were involved with tearing down their own temple, were involved in knocking all of the homes down so that there was nothing but rubble left. And so their last sight of Jerusalem was, was rubble and, and destruction. And then they arrived in Babylon and compared to what they just left, here was this mighty, wealthy city. Strange language, strange gods, a strange culture. 
So Daniel had to live in this place. Now we find that same theme in the New Testament where, where Peter and Paul both in different places talk about we, we are pilgrims, we are foreigners in a strange land. And that's where we are now. We find ourselves, we may say that our country had Christian beginnings, and I think it did. But we find that those of us who are believers are foreigners in a strange land. And we see the ruin. The ruin. Well, uh, Daniel could have easily abandoned hope. But how could the situation be reversed? Again, we look at our current situation. The church, the body of Christ, is splintered as some forsake biblical standards to be more palatable to the culture. God help us. There's a violent secularism that treats Christianity as an enemy. Some of you may have watched the Super Bowl. I, I didn't get to see it, but this, there were the Jesus ads. So anybody remember seeing those or seeing them on television? I was interested that one of the major news uh, sources prior to the Super Bowl was warning people that if they clicked on the link, went to the link, they were going to be taken to a site and they were going to, <clears throat> the, those who go, went there were going to be encouraged to accept Christ as Savior. Watch out, was what they were saying. Watch out. And these are the very people who stand against abortion and stand against things that we must hold on to as a nation. Be warned, they said. Like Daniel, we look at the ruins. And we wonder, like Daniel, how can this situation be reversed? Well, first of all, we know that God stirred in Daniel's heart. And he was vexed because of the sin. The closer we are to the Lord, the more we are sensitive to sin in our own lives and the sin around us. We, we see it. We are grieved by the state of the church. And may I say, somewhat, with the state of the Salvation Army. We are grieved by the open acts of sin that are lauded. What was it, the Grammy Awards that had a, a satanic worship section? We are grieved by the unbelief that we find in our culture, the largest and fastest rising, not the largest, but the fastest rising group of people among uh, those who, who uh, they, when they do religious surveys, is, is what's called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the nuns, because they don't claim affiliation with any religion. They just, they, they're, they're not atheists, they just don't care. They don't care. God stirs in the heart of someone so they seek to heed God's leading. And, of course, we find lots of, of uh, examples of God's leading in the Old Testament. We saw, find any number of times that before the, they went into battle, the children of Israel would seek the Lord about even how to, to, to do the battle. We find, of course, that in the New Testament when, when Paul was seeking the Lord, that he was guided as to where he should do his journeys and go on and so forth. There are some who believe that we should not have any kind of planning and so on, but listen, anarchy 
is not necessarily godly. But also they, they heeded God's leading in setting their plans aside. We remember that Paul was forbidden to go to Asia because God told him to go to Europe. So they were able to set their plans aside. So there is this, this stirring in the heart of someone seeking God and looking for him. The next thing is I find just wonderful, and we find this consistent with the revivals throughout history, is turning to the scripture. And the second verse, it says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. The importance of scripture cannot be overstated. In the scriptures, we find the only reliable information about who God is, who we are, how we are to relate to him, his expectations from us, what's right and wrong, his will for his children. In fact, you have no right to ask God to show you his will if you've not looked at his word. It, is, it gives us the foundation of our faith that we can, we can stand here and say week after week that anybody can receive Christ as Savior is based upon what the Bible tells us about that. That we can say that we can live a holy life is not based upon any kind of internal thought process, but God's Word tells us that we can be holy. And when we water down the Word, we undermine the whole foundation. And it is, um, again, one of the tragedies of our day that there's such an effort to, to do what are essentially like being a, a, a spiritual contortionist to say the Bible doesn't say what it clearly says is right and wrong. The Bible is our sustenance. We think of the, some of the verses that remind us of that. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. <clears throat> I just want to say here, I praise God we have core officers who are dedicated to preaching the word. I thank the Lord for them and for their faithfulness to the word. But unfortunately, it's not true everywhere. We need to understand that we as believers cannot, though, even though we have wonderful core officers who help us, and all, there's all sorts of other wonderful things, we can't be getting the Bible secondhand. We need to read the Bible for ourselves. We need to partake of it for ourselves. We need to see what the Holy Spirit will say to our hearts from what it says to us. And we can't be taking little bits and pieces, crumbs here and there, and, and, and the little, little lots of stuff that shows up on Facebook and say, there's my sustenance. It is not enough. It is not enough. And there really is no excuse. We of all people, in the United States of America, in 2023, have no excuse for not having access to the Bible. For heaven's sake, we have it in print. We have Bible apps. How long does it take to download one of those? Less than a minute. We have audio. We have video. We have it on radio. We have it on TV. 
If you are not aware of what the Word of God says, it's because you've turned away from the Word of God and ignored it. Let me just say to you, this moment that is happening in Asbury, and we hope, and it seems to be spreading, this moment will not become a movement without the Scriptures being central in the lives of God's people, and not just the clergy. Well, the next thing we see in, in, from what my wife read earlier, you saw this, this repentance that takes place, the 3rd through the 14th verse. I will not read it again. But there's a number of things that we see. First of all, there was prayer, petition, fasting, sackcloth, and ashen, ashes, these visible acts of contrition of the heart. The, the, there was no doubt about what Daniel was feeling because he wore it on his, everywhere he was, that, that he repented before the Lord. See, when we, we see a need, our, our modern way of dealing with it is we say, well, let's promote something. Let's come up with a new plan. Let's work a little harder. Rather than stopping and considering what God might be saying to us about viewing the condition of our hearts. Now, this whole prayer is a confession by Daniel. Now, remember, Daniel was a righteous man. In fact, I would dare say that in the Old Testament, we can find very few that would be more righteous than Daniel. He was a holy man. But if you look at this, his personal standing with God did not enter into this confession because he confessed for the sins of his people. He owned it, he owned the, the, the sin of all the people of God. One of the things that unfortunately we have in, in our culture, our, our Western culture, is this, this cult of the individual. As long as I'm okay, nothing else matters. As long as I have what I want, I'm good. If I'm good before God, it doesn't really matter what's going on with my neighbor. But when when Daniel prayed here to the Lord. He did not confess for his sin. He said, not me, but us. And until we take ownership of the condition that exists now, and we quit saying those guys and say it is us, God cannot move fully among us. He did, and note this, Daniel, living in this ungodly place, did not confess the sins of the ungodly, the unsaved, if you will, as wrong as those were, because it's important for God's people to get themselves right first. Then God can use us to reach the world. So no moment, movement of God, sorry, no moment will become a movement of God if our confession is shallow or we substitute our effort for the hard work of confession. And then we look at, at Daniel's pleading with God. There's really, he's, he's pled before God, and we, and we look at especially the 17th verse and to the end of, uh, to the 19th verse, is there's a boldness. He says, Lord, this is your work. This is yours. 
I'm not asking this for me because it is your glory that we're seeking. So are we seeking God's glory? First of all, he claimed God's forgiveness based on what he knew from, from the record of Scripture that God will forgive. If we come and confess, the Lord will forgive us. And that's a wonderful thing. That's why we can say at the end of any meeting, and you know, at the ARC today or, or any other place, if, if you repent and come before the Lord, the Lord will forgive you. We can say that to anybody who is seeking the Lord. The Lord will forgive you because God promises to do so. And that's a wonderful thing, to have that confidence, to be able to talk that way. But here he's talking about not just individual forgiveness, but the forgiveness of us as a people so we can seek God's glory again. And we need to be aware that when God begins to move, there will be counterfeits who will try to duplicate God's movement. I was very interested to see with this Asbury uh, movement that um, they've had somebody who's claimed on social media that they were asked by Asbury to preach. It's not true. But uh, he said, I'm, I'm a part of this. I'm, the, I'm part of the reason. So there's going to be counterfeits who come in who try to steal some of the glory for themselves. See, there's a temptation when God moves for some to say, well, you know, I had a part of that. I did this, and, that's, and if I, I was there, and I, I, if I, I remember when I said this, and everything started happening from that. So there's this desire to sort of keep some of the glory for ourselves. We think of, you know, after that wonderful healing of Naaman, that Gehazi went chasing after Naaman to get the reward that Elisha had refused because he just couldn't stand the thought that the glory was that close and he couldn't have it. So we have to be careful and watch that, that, that appeal to pride that can come. There's also has to be an unselfishness in looking at how God is going to move. Daniel realized when he prayed this, and what, what happened from this? Well, the, the, the remaining people of Judah were released to go back and rebuild Jerusalem and reoccupy the Holy Land. That's what came after this. But when Daniel prayed this, he knew he would never see it. There was an unselfishness about it. He had longed for it. He had prayed for it. He had sought it. But he personally would never touch it. I know there's people in this room watching who have prayed for God to move and sought God to move. Some of us are boomers or Gen Y or whatever they call us. But who is God using? Teenagers. And we need to rejoice that God is using the teenagers. He, we, we pray for them. We, we, we support them. But we have to realize that God's going to do things his own way. And he is infinitely creative in the way he can do things, the way he acts. Think of this. Darius, who was mentioned in the first verse, was as ungodly a king as there ever was. God used an ungodly king to provide 
his deliverance to his people. God is not limited in the tools he will use. So, so we say this, no moment will become a movement if we try to insert our own agenda or seek our own glory. God is not interested in us making shrines. He is interested in reviving his people and saving the lost. Let's just take a moment. We have this place of prayer. If any feel like they want to come, we invite you to come. We're just going to take a moment or two with quiet. No music, just quiet. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.